Cyberpunk 2077 world map leaked and more coming up on today's episode of the latest in tech news. Hey Gadget here, you're just in time for the latest episode of the world's only 3-in-1 show on tech, gadgets, and gaming news. That's right, this is the latest in tech news. My name is Taylor Merrick, and if you're new here, well, hit the subscribe button. If you like what you hear, stick around. Um, we typically do this every weekday, um, except recently it's been kind of difficult um, with a bunch of other stuff going on. I don't know, I'm having a difficult time, I'm going to be brief here trying to figure out what exactly you, the listener, want. And I'm having a tough time figuring it out. And part of it's my problem, and part of it's not your problem, but just other things going on. It's really difficult to put together a show, trying to find a time for a show. Because ideally, I'd love for this to be done more often on a more consistent schedule. I understand. Um, But the ways in which this show is being consumed are very apparent. See, most of the audience listening, tuning in, listen via the podcast. Very few watch video. So I'm actually debating if I should even continue doing the video on YouTube since, like, a far fewer amount of people tune in via the video than actually listen to the show. I mean, in in terms of statistics alone, and I'll get into the show briefly here. I know you're not here to listen to me um, talk about stuff. That should be a totally another different show. But more people from over 100 countries around the world are coming to listen to the show. Not watch the show on YouTube. Not tune in live on Twitch to watch. Um, which is something I was excited about doing was 9 p.m. Central Standard Time, Monday to Friday. It's just... <sighs> I'm having a hard time bringing myself to actually doing a live show and making the YouTube video. So, that being said, and I know it's a new month, it's October, and I've been kind of up and down and back and forth on doing episodes. It's been very sporadic. I'm hoping to get back on my consistent schedule of every show done every single day of the week, except for the weekends. So, I still want to do five shows a week, um, but likely what I'll be doing for October and then... Taking a step back to look at the data, I will be um, doing the podcast only. I won't be recording it live on Twitch. I won't be recording it as a video and putting it up on YouTube because it seems very apparent. Nobody tunes in for the live show and very few people watch the video. More people listen to the podcast. And I'm actually up in the rankings in terms of categories all around the world. I'm talking about within the top 25 tech news shows. So, um, I'd rather keep doing this podcast thing. I know how to do it. It's a whole lot of fun. I enjoy podcasting very much. So that being said, this podcast that you're listening to episode wise will continue. It's just, I, uh, at the end of the month, I will determine whether or not I want to continue the live stream on Twitch and or the YouTube videos of the video recording afterwards. But that's not why you're here to listen to me rant and rave about stuff that should honestly be a a separate topic discussed in a separate show um, with different people. Hint, hint. I'm formulating ideas as I speak here. Not 47 different ones. Uh, 
one or two. But you're here to find out about, well, the top story that we'll be talking about today. It looks like uh, Cyberpunk 2077 had its world map revealed in an apparent leak. Now, not sure if it was deliberate or not. Not sure if this is the actual map or not, but we'll jump in, take a brief look, uh, figure out what's going on. If it is, great. If it ain't, and eh, whatever. We'll probably have fun playing a game anyways, right? We'll also be taking a look at how to buy a TV for gaming in 2020, and I it, figured I wanted to get this in, and I know why the article was made, and you're like, well, you don't usually cover this stuff. If you don't know already, it's important to know some things, so that when holiday season comes, of which sales will be coming in very quickly and products um, accordingly for said prices... You should probably know the what's what about TVs and what to get for gaming-related stuff. And if you're going to use an Xbox or or PlayStation, uh, computer, we'll go over that. We'll also be looking at NVIDIA announcing a $59 Jetson Nano 2GIG, a single-board computer with makers in mind. Now, I actually... This is something, we'll get into it uh, momentarily, but it's something near and dear to my heart. Uh, We'll also be taking a look at the PlayStation 5, running cool and quiet according to initial hands-on reporting. We'll also be taking a look at um, India's new paper COVID-19 test that could be a game-changer. Now, I'm not bringing that specific virus up for political reasons I'm bringing it up purely from a technological standpoint, and we will be keeping it only on that. Uh, let me just make that very clear off the bat. Uh, we'll also be taking a look at Kaspersky finding a sophisticated malware in the wild. So this is um kind of creepy. Uh, we'll be going over the specifics of the type of malware. It's on, on par to be one of those, well... I have an apple. I can't get it infected of malware or virus. Yeah, but if you install something on your peripheral keyboard that has 512 megabytes of memory, it'll go undetected. <laughs> it's great. Um, so we'll be getting into that momentarily. And finally, we'll be taking a look at Microsoft fixing one of the worst things about Windows 10. With that being said, let's hop on over to today's feature article. Okay, so here's the deets. Cyberpunk 2077 is coming out soon. Looks like a world map kind of got leaked to the public. We're just over a month away from the release of Cyberpunk 2077 on November 19th, uh, provided it doesn't get delayed again. We might have our first look at the game's full map today. A leaker posted a physical map on Reset Era, included with Cyberpunk's physical edition, that appears to show the game's full night city, including such locales as Haywood, Santo Domingo and Watson. Now, this article is provided via GameSpot.com. Uh, by the way, we will have links to all of the articles that we cover in today's show over at TechNewsGadget.net. So, if you're one of those wondering, hey, you're just going to cover anything or you're going to uh, provide us with the show notes, I always provide you guys with the show notes. That way, you can look and uh, feast your eyes upon the goodness for yourselves uh, without having to listen to me. Um rant and rave about the good, bad, and ugly. Uh, but uh, in, in terms of image, if you want to actually see it, technewsgadget.net, click on the article, it'll take you right to it. So it's pretty interesting. It looks like a fairly large map. It reminds me of uh, 
to an extent, like a Tom Clancy type map, one of those type games, um, mixed with maybe a little bit of Arkham City. Yeah, a little bit of an Arkham City type map going on, because uh, they have like a city center, like dead set in the middle. Uh, Watson is like a, a, a borough north of that. Westbrook, it looks like a big old mountain range out to the west. Uh, Santo Domingo uh, to the southeast and straight to the South Pacifica. Uh, so it's kind of interesting. City was intended to be uh, you're not supposed to be playing. The map appears to line up with what we've been seeing of the game's seven major districts in promotional materials so far. The leaker also included a set of postcards that comes with the game's physical edition. Cyberpunk 2077 has gone gold, but development continues as CD Projekt Red continues to prepare for patches and updates that will follow the game's release. The game has received two commercials that star noted actor Keanu Reeves as he portrays one of the game's matter many cybernetically enhanced criminals. As previously reported, workers are being forced to undergo crunch because it's obviously crunch week. They're in the final leg of development, um, the mandatory six-day work week. So um, for those of you game developers, you kind of understand the lingo in that. Bloomberg reported that some staff have been crunching nights and weekends for over a year to finish the game, despite CDPR's previous commitment to avoid crunch time. It's it's unavoidable. And when it comes to game development, it's unavoidable, unavoidable, especially in some instances where you haven't been able to finish what you wanted to finish because other things came up. Um, so hopefully we'll see how it goes. Hopefully it releases next month on time. Are you guys excited? Looking forward to it? Let me know. Um, in whichever way you want to comment on the website, hit us up on Twitter. We are at Tech News Gadget. Uh, if you actually, if you actually want to join the conversation, here's what I will say: join us over on Discord. Yes, we have a Discord server. Feel free to hop in there in a general chat and share your thoughts. Um, I'm usually on, um, talking to myself because it's great. No. I'm kidding. But I also have a cool couple cool other features uh, going on on Discord server, but I, I feel like that would be the best place to like continue the conversation if that's something that you want to do. It's the server Discord uh, is free to join. Um, details on the website technewsgadget.net. All right, next up here, we got an article from How To Geek. Now, this is kind of a long and lengthy article, so I'm not going to go over it. Um, Tim Brooks wrote this article uh, titled How to Buy ETV for Gaming in 2020. I'm going to be highlighting uh, some of the top points that we kind of wanted to share here. Um, otherwise, feel free to click on over to the article to read the rest. Uh, there are images and graphics that go along with it, possibly a video or two. So stuff that you might want to keep in mind. Now, when it comes to a, a, a TV for gaming, display technology has come a long way in a decade. If you want a TV for video games, including a next-gen console and PC titles, your needs are quite different from the average shopper. Um, the next generation of consoles and high-end PC graphics cards is here. Sony and Microsoft are battling the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X, uh, together both of which support HDMI 2.1 ports. NVIDIA has also unleashed its record-breaking 3D series cards with full support for HDMI 2.1. So, what's the big deal with HDMI 2.1? Well, it's 
how your TV connects to consoles, Blu-ray players, and many PC graphics cards. You see, HDMI 2.0 caps out at a bandwidth of 18 gigabytes per second, which is enough for 4K content at 60 frames per second. However, here's what's impressive. HDMI 2.1 caps out at 48 gigabits per second. This includes support for 4K at 120 frames per second with HDR or 8K at 60 frames per second. There's also support for uncompressed audio and a host of other features like variable refresh rates and automatic low latency mode to minimize input lag. Keep in mind though, HDMI 2.1 is only worth it if a TV has a 120 hertz panel. Some TVs advertise it, but they only have a 60 hertz panel. That means they can't take advantage of 120 frames per second because the display is only capable of 60 frames per second. But the question is, will you need all that extra bandwidth? Well, if you want to make the most out of new consoles, you do. However, it's unclear how many next-gen games will be supporting 4K at 120 frames. Um, there are a couple of handful of Xbox Series X titles that will support it. Uh, list includes Halo Infinite uh, and Ori and the Will of the Wisps, Dirt 5, and Gears of War 5. So keep an eye out on that. Uh, something else. Our variable refresh rate, auto low latency mode, and quick frame transport. Some of the new HDMI 2.1 features are also available via the older HDMI 2.0 standard and have been implemented on TVs that don't explicitly support HDMI 2.1. Um, so there's a couple things to keep in mind with that. Um, variable refresh rate is, um, depending on it, it's either HDMI VRR or variable refresh rate, um, depending on PC gamer consoles. Um, Microsoft is working on this feature for their Xbox. PlayStation 5 is also expected to support it. Nothing confirmed on that. Uh, it's designed to prevent screen tearing. Uh, so if you don't like that tearing effect, um, it's something to keep in mind with that. As for latency, while shopping for a new TV, you'll likely see two similar sounding terms that refer to different things. Latency or lag and response time. Latency is the time it takes for the display to react to your input. For example, if you press a button to jump on a controller, the latency is how long it takes for your character to jump on screen. Low latency can give you the edge in competitive multiplayer games or make fast-paced single-player games more responsive. This delay is measured in milliseconds. Generally, latency of 15 milliseconds or less is imperceptible. Uh, some high-end TVs can get it down to around 10, but anything below 25 is usually good enough. How important this is depends entirely on the sort of games you play, type of player you are, uh, and, and, and your budget. So obviously keep that in mind. Um, response time refers to pixel response. This is how long it takes a pixel to change from one color to another, usually quoted in gray-to-gray -gray performance. This is also measured in milliseconds, and it's not unusual for high-end displays to have a pixel response of one millisecond or better. Uh, OLED displays in particular have an almost instantaneous response time, so keep an eye on that. There's also FreeSync and G-Sync to keep in mind. Um, G-Sync is usually for NVIDIA and, and the PC side of things uh, to keep in mind. Because um, it works a lot with uh, the NVIDIA GTX or RTX cards. 
So there's that to keep in mind. And ours, and finally, you might want to consider where you'll be playing. There are currently two main panel types on the market, LED-lit LCDs, including QLEDs and self-lit OLEDs. LCD panels can get much brighter than OLEDs because OLED is a self-emissive organic technology that's more susceptible to permanent image retention at high brightness. But if you're going to be playing in a very bright room, you might find an OLED simply isn't bright enough. Most OLED panels are subject to auto brightness limiting, which reduces the overall screen brightness in well-lit scenes, and LCD panels aren't susceptible to this and can get much brighter. So depending on when and where you're playing, if you're in a during the day in a room full of windows, lots of ambient lighting, LCD might be a better choice. However, in a light-controlled room at night with subtle lighting, an OLED will give you the best picture quality. So um, it's really up to you to decide which better suits your budget and gaming environment. That being said, um, I'll have a link to the rest of this article in the show notes. Just some thoughts to think about. And uh, as you're planning for buying buying maybe the next console or just kind of getting a little bit of a better TV, keep in mind your budget and, and exactly what you're looking for. All right, moving on to the next article. Looks like NVIDIA is announcing a $59 Jetson Nano 2GB, a single board computer with makers in mind. Now, um, the reason why it's interesting to me, and why it's interesting to you as well, or at least it should be, is I'm not sure how much um, tinkering around with computers you did back in a day, but for me, back in a day... When I first started getting interested in computers, um, I took apart a record player, um, thinking I'd be able to learn something off of that. It was it was a piece of garbage somebody had tossed out by the uh, curb um, near where I live, and me, being a curious sort, decided, well, I'm going to go grab the record player and tear it open and see what makes it run. Um, I broke it in the process, never really did fix it. I wasn't really planning on making it work anyways. I just wanted to see what it looked like inside. And that's kind of what started me on the path. I started going to the library and reading books about uh, computers and putting computers together, um, the different parts of the computers. Uh, I, honestly, if I had been um, so tuned into looking at cars, I probably would have been a, an easy gearhead. Uh, but I quickly went over to computers, which is probably to my benefit and my family's because they still call on me for uh, help from time to time, which is um, entertaining because they know cars more than I do and I know computers more than they do. But it works out. So um, when it comes to computers, I figured out a lot of stuff hands on um, putting a computer together, taking it apart, breaking stuff, trying to figure out what stuff does. Um, I did it all. But NVIDIA is kicking off their line of GPU-accelerated single-board computers, um, again, with kind of like a, um, a re-envisioning of it. They started this back in 2014 with the Jetson TK1, a $200 USD uh, development system for those looking to get involved with the burgeoning world of so-called edge computing. It was designed to put high-performance computing into a small and energy-efficient enough package that could be directly integrated into products rather than connecting to a data center halfway across the world. The TK1 was an impressive piece of hardware, but not something the hacker and maker community was necessarily interested in. And yes, I kind of got into, uh, I, I guess, maybe hacker, cracker, maker-ing 
communities. I don't know. It's a really weird conundrum because then I was interested in um, uh, trying to figure out uh, ciphers and, and um, deciphering codes and went off on a tangent there for like a good couple of years. Um, but yeah, the TK1 was fairly expensive, but perhaps more importantly, it was clearly geared towards more industry types than consumers. We did see the occasional project using a TK1 and a subsequent TK1 and TX2 boards, but they were few and far between. Then came the Jetson Nano. Its 128-core Maxwell CPU still packed plenty of power and is fully compatible with NVIDIA's CUDA architecture, but its smaller size and $99 price tag made it far more attractive for hobbyists. According to the company's own figures, the number of active Jetson developers has more than tripled since the Nano's introduction in March of 2019, with the platform accessible to a larger and more diverse group of users, new and innovative applications for machine learning started pouring in. So, um, what they decide to do is they cut the price of the entry-level Jetson hardware in half. Uh, but NVIDIA then wanted to bring even more developers into the fray. So why not see if Lightning can strike twice? Today, they've officially announced that the new Jetson Nano 2GIG will go on sale later this month for just $59. Um, they got pictures to go along with this. It's um definitely interesting. Um, it's not a new device. It's essentially just a cost-optimized version of the hardware that was released back in 2019. Same size, draws the same amount of power, and has the same exact Maxwell GPU. In broad terms, it's a drop-in replacement for the more expensive Nano. In fact, it's so similar, you might not even be able to tell the difference between the two models at first, especially since the biggest change isn't visible as the name implies. The new model only has 2 gigabytes of RAM compared to 4 in the original Nano. Um, so obviously this is designed for um, uh, hackers and makers, and... Uh, if you want to start taking a look at all of that, well, have fun. I mean, I, I never got up to this kind of level or, or interested in, in this angle of, um, hacking and making. Uh, I, I was just kind of on a, I guess, basic. Yeah. I know how to do an oil change on a car is basically what you're going to tell me. Cause I know apparently how to put a computer together into parts, um, but this kind of goes a little bit more in depth. Um, but it, it definitely has, um, uh, some neat applications to go into it. If you're looking to get your feet wet with AI and machine learning, picking up a Jetson Nano at $99 was a great choice. Now that there's a $59 version that includes access to a training and certification program, there's barely even a choice left to make which in the end is exactly what NVIDIA wants. And uh, kudos to them for releasing this, but it's, oh man. You guys, if you're interested in this kind of stuff, jump in, let me know what you think, if you enjoy it. Um, it's so much cool stuff. Like if I had um, time to jump into this stuff, I definitely would, because this is tickling my interest, as it were, but I don't have any... <laughs> I don't have any time. I have two kids who run around and keep my life full enough. <laughs> All right, moving on. PlayStation 5 looks like initial reports are saying that it runs cool and quiet. We got pictures that go along here. Uh, keep in mind, if you guys like the show and want to hear more, uh, leave us a review out at wherever you're listening to this. Ideally, 
uh, Apple Podcasts is great, uh, but wherever you are listening to this show from, please consider re- leaving a review that lets me know and everyone else listening know uh, what you think of the show um, and what it means to you. It means a lot to me um, when I hear reviews um, and, and thoughts from you guys, so feel free to do that. But that being said, like most of the world, uh, it looks like Ars Technica where I got this article from, is still waiting for their first hands-on experience. I am too. Uh, Sony, if you want to send me a, a review unit, I will be more than happy to oblige. Um, <laughs> you know, like, Sony's listening to this episode, we'll find out. Um, PlayStation 5 uh, is going to be released next month, but over the weekend, a handful of Japanese journalists and YouTubers got to try out Sony's new system and have revealed a few new tidbits about the hardware and its design. The most welcome news, at least for those accustomed to the jet engine fan noises sometimes encountered on a PlayStation 3 and 4, and it's definitely on mine, uh, I have a PlayStation 4, is that the PlayStation 5, 5 seems to be relatively quiet even while in continuous use. Um, Dengeki Online noted that it was really quiet after playing for hours in a hot room with no apparent heat felt on the surface of the system itself, which is good, because I hope they... Uh, yeah, between the uh, PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation 5, like, one of my biggest hopes was, please tell me you guys fixed the fan and the cooling system so that I don't have to hear a jet engine taking off in my room. Uh, AV Watch similarly noted that the operating sound of the main unit is now smaller than that of the PlayStation 4, as was the sound of pressing buttons on the DualSense controller. And 4Gamer confirmed that the exhaust was gentle. I could hardly hear what seemed to be the rotating noise of the fan. AV Watch also noted that there's an LED in the gap between the white body and the black part of the PlayStation 5 itself. It's apparently used to show the system's current status, blue when the system is connected to power, and white when the system is on, much like the PlayStation 4. The PlayStation 5's new DualSense controller features colored lights as well. These accent LEDs can shine blue, red, green, or purple through the small gaps to the left and right of the trackpad area in the center of the controller. In addition, the DualSense has four LED lights that shine beneath the trackpad to indicate which player number corresponds with that controller, which is kind of interesting. 4Gamer also notes that you can see some metal parts through the gap in the upper intake of the system itself. There's already some speculation that this metal latch is used to access the interior of the system to install uh, approved single or uh, SSDs for storage expansion, but nothing confirmed just yet. The Japanese press didn't get to see the PlayStation 5's new system level user interface, which PlayStation VP uh, has previously promised will be 100% overhaul of the PS4 UI that showcases some very different new concepts uh so they didn't get to see much about that that's really about it um and if but if you're looking for a more active look at the playstation 5 famitsu has a couple of videos showing close-up use of the dualsense controller as well as direct feed video footage of astro's playroom and godfall so definitely uh looking forward to it coming out next month Still debating if I want to get that or Xbox. I don't know. I have a PlayStation. I've always had a PlayStation. I've always enjoyed it. We'll see how things pan out. All right. So now on to some news that will not be political. So for as much as COVID-19 has taken 2020 by storm and uh, 
basically driven countries around the world and, and people therein mad. Um, India's new paper COVID-19 test could be a game changer. Now, I'm one for tech news, and if there's something new and interesting, I love highlighting it. This is one of those times. A team of scientists in India has developed an inexpensive paper-based test for coronavirus that could give fast results similar to a pregnancy test. Now, just wait. The BBC's Sutuk Biswas and Krutika Pathy unpack how it works. The test, named after famous Indian fictional detective, is based on a gene editing technology called CRISPR. Scientists estimate that the kit called Faluda would return results in under an hour and cost 500 rupees. That translates to about $6.75 US. Faluda will be made by a leading Indian conglomerate, Tata, and could be the world's first paper-based COVID-19 test available in the market. Interesting. Uh, according to the professor, it's a simple, precise, reliable, scalable, and frugal test. Uh, researchers at the Delhi-based CSIR Institute of Genomics and Integrative Biology, where Fluida was developed, as well as private labs, tried out the test on samples from about 2,000 patients, including ones who had already tested positive for the coronavirus. They found that the new test had 96% sensitivity and 98% specificity. The accuracy of a test is based on these two proportions. A test that's highly sensitive will detect almost everyone who has the disease, and a test that has a high specificity will correctly rule out almost everyone who doesn't have the disease. Um, the first test ensures not too many false negative results, and the second test, not too many false positives. India's drug regulator has cleared the test for commercial use. With more than 6 million confirmed infections, India has the world's second highest COVID-19 caseload. Um, more than 100,000 people in the country have died of the disease so far in India. After a slow start, India is now testing a million samples a day in more than 1,200 laboratories across the country, and it is using those two tests. What's interesting is that um, the first is a time-tested gold standard uh, PCR swab test which uses chemicals to amplify the virus's genetic material in the laboratory. And the second is a speedy antigen test, antigen, one of those two, which works by detecting virus fragments in a sample. Now keep in mind, the PCR test is generally reliable and costs up to 2,400 rupees. It has low false positive and low false negative rates. The antigen tests are cheaper. They are more precise in detecting positive infections, but generate more false negatives than a PCR test. Scaling up testing in India hasn't met easy availability yet. Um, there's still long wait times and unavailability of kits, and they're currently doing a lot of rapid antigen testing, which have problems with false positives. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Uh, Dr. Bond, researcher in global health and health policy, says that Faluda could potentially replace the antigen test because it could be comparatively cheaper and more accurate. So... Um, it's interesting. It still has to go through some other tests. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it, the article goes on to explain a couple things uh, further, but it's it's quite impressive, quite impressive technology, like COVID-19 test kits. It's like it's as simple as a pregnancy test. Could like that just blows your mind. Like this only made headline news and hit the world in the beginning of this year. 
we're in October of 2020, and this kind of test has already come out, and and it's going to be heading out to commercial testing very soon. This is this is impressive, and at a cost that's a lot more reasonable. I mean, wow, quite quite impressive. So I'm definitely uh, kudos to everyone involved in the process and uh, oh, quite an impressive, simple feat of technology. Yeah, it's simple paper test. We just run these two tests and we find out whether you do it. That way you don't have to get a swab stuck up your nose to scrape the back of your whatever, and hopefully not hit your brain um, to find <laughs> even though it's highly unlikely. Um, it just it hurts and it's weird. It's definitely disturbing to say the least. Um, but this test, two pieces of paper, Really simple. Yeah. Quite impressive. All right. Moving on to our last couple of articles. Kaspersky is finding a sophisticated UEFI malware in the wild. I'll, I'll drop this article in the show notes, but essentially uh, they've um, found a UEFI based malware just randomly floating around on the internet. Um, it operates on the low-level boot manager that underlies most modern computers and has extreme system access and staying power. The good news is that you're probably not going to have to worry about getting infected, but we'll just throw this out there so that you're aware. The Unified Extensible Firmware Interface, UEFI, is a software that lives on your computer's motherboard. It is the first thing to turn on when you boot up the system, and that allows it access to almost every part of the operating system. It will also persist after reboots, formats, and even system component replacement. Since the UEFI resides on a flash memory chip soldered to the board, it's very hard to inspect for malware eh, and even harder to purge. So uh, I guess this is the Achilles heel, Achilles heel of motherboards. This is great. <laughs> this is why I was joking in the beginning of the show saying, hey, all you Apple people running out there, yeah, we can't get a virus on our computer. Yeah, well, when you have 512 gigabytes of memory, or 512 megabytes of memory, rather, on your keyboard, which is a peripheral, when you scan your Mac, you're not scanning the peripherals, and that's where it resides. And it just went, oh, I could just do a little keylogging malware. <laughs> well, this one's on the, on the motherboard, so this is great. Um, so if you want to own a system and reduce the likelihood of getting caught, UEFI malware is the way to go. The problem is it's very difficult to get malicious code into UEFI systems. But Kaspersky integrated a special firmware scanner into its antivirus products in 2019. Uh, now the firm is saying that it has detected a second known instance of UEFI malware, which it is calling Mosaic Regressor. So... Um, it wasn't caught on computers here in the United States. It was caught on uh, computers in Asia. Um, it's it, long and varied. It was definitely interesting to try and find it. Um, but if you guys are interested in reading a little bit more about that, I will have the link in the show notes. And finally, I know it's a long uh, show note uh, kind of day. Keep in mind, if you guys are interested in anything covered today, be sure to head on over to technewsgadget.net and you can get your full show notes. But we'll wrap up today's episode with, well, a Microsoft article fixing one of the worst things about Windows 10. There is a new Windows 10 update that lets you manually disable Bing in order to speed up search. Just keep in mind that the steps involved are meant for power users. Um, 
a word of warning, um, the below steps are for experienced users. So unless you actually know how to uh, edit the computer and not break it, uh, handle with care. Um, according to a new Windows latest blog post, this edit will remove ads from Windows search, uh, disable Bing in order to speed it up, uh, and it could also lead to higher quality search results when trying to find something on your local drive. Um, to be fair, this should be a much easier process. Microsoft should just have a toggle in settings for this, which is stupid. They should have just done this from the beginning. But no, this is Microsoft trying to say, we want Bing to take over the world. Well, that's not going to happen. People don't like Bing. Bing, get it? <laughs> Sorry, it's a joke that goes back years. Um, it's an inside joke that I, I love ripping on Bing whenever chance I get. Um, <laughs> it, it's got work that needs to be done and Microsoft is certainly not a search engine um, company um, but there are some steps it does require you to make changes in the registry editor the section of Windows 10 that is mostly reserved for PC experts so um, if you make a mistake here you could wreck your whole system um, and getting anyone to help you at that point will be definitely hard um, so don't do it unless you know what you're doing. Um, they do have a guide on how to do it. Uh, and while you're being safe and cautious, be sure to back up your PC. Um, the, they do have cloud backup services in, available, um, possibly, or, or you can do it locally. But yeah, uh, it looks pretty simple. There's like 11 steps, um, so if you are annoyed with it, if you are an expert PC user, feel free to dig in. I will have a link in the show notes. Um, but do keep in mind, uh, don't try this at home unless you know what you're doing. <laughs> All right, and that wraps up this episode of The Latest in Tech News. Thanks for tuning in. New episodes every weekday. I plan to be back tomorrow recording episode on Tuesday. The latest in tech news can be found on every major platform, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever else podcasts are found. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to let us know um, by uh, leaving a review, uh, sharing this with a friend, and, uh, well, joining us over on our Discord server. Uh, news and information for that is over at technewsgadget.net. Also, double-check that you are subscribed so that you don't miss the next episode. I'm your host, Taylor American. Remember, for the latest in tech, gadget, and gaming news, visit technewsgadget.net. Pretty much keeping awesome, guys, and I'll see you on the flip side.